Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Go ahead and get your Bibles open now to the book of Mark. Mark chapter number 4, verse 35, and also find Luke 10, 19 in your Bibles. Mark 4, 35, and Luke 10, 19. Find those two locations. I'm going to be talking through uh, that, that main passage first, and then near the end of the message at Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Now, I shared this last week with you that it's become very obvious that, that there is an elevated level of, of what I would call demonic uh, spiritual activity in our culture. Now, that isn't something that frightens us. That isn't something we get afraid of. But what it does is it challenges us to up our game spiritually when it comes to what I call Christ-centered, spirit, spirit-filled spiritual warfare. And, and, uh, and, and I'm observing this in all different levels of society. I see it in individuals and in, in, in people in the community as well as even in our church, uh, the, the community, the, the workplace, even our nation. So I'm doing this brand new series called Supernatural over the next few weeks. And during this time, I'm going to be talking about healings and miracles, talk about prayer and the the power of prayer and worship, talking about spiritual warfare and deliverance and and even spiritual dangers that that, uh, some spiritual landmines that some believers aren't even aware of that they're not discerning and a whole lot more. Now, I want to just be really clear about this. Demons are real. And Satan is real. Satan is not the author of blessing, joy, peace, and life. No, he's actually the author of destruction, murder, division, hate, and fear. So, so spiritual warfare, therefore, is real. Now, the moment you give your life to Christ, as soon as you give your life to Christ, what happens is you have been set free from eternal punishment. You've been set free from, uh, from hell, and, and you, you can now live your new life with hope and purpose, blessing, peace, and joy. But at the same time, you're automatically drafted into God's army, which is beautiful because we fight against the evil forces uh, of, of the devil in this world. And sometimes, sometimes those battles look like stormy seas where winds and waves hammer your life or your boat is is what I call it. So today's message is entitled Dealing with Wind and Waves. That's the title of this message today, Dealing with Wind and Waves. So, you know, what are the correct responses to deal with the winds and waves that that, that pound you and that that hammer you? So today we're going to discover three biblical strategies, powerful strategies to be able to supernaturally deal with wind and waves in our lives. Now, I ask you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter number four, verse 35. We're going to begin reading there, and, uh, and, and then we're going to talk about how this applies to our lives directly. Take a look at it. Mark chapter four, verse 35. So, uh, it's a bit of time of, of ministry with Jesus and his disciples, and, and it had just finished up. And it says, on that day when evening came, he, Jesus, said to them, them the disciples, 
Let's go over to the other side. That's the other side of the huge lake. It's the Sea of Galilee. After dismissing the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a fierce gale of wind, that's a key word, wind developed. And the waves, that's another key word, were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling with water. Now that would have been a scary moment. And yet Jesus himself was in the stern. Where's the stern? Those of you who were in the Navy, it's the back of the boat. So he was back there, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he got up and rebuked the winds and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Okay, last week, just a little bit of a recap, because last week is a little bit of a, of a foundation for, for what I'm talking about today, and, and, uh, and I decided to take this sermon and break it into two pieces so I didn't keep you guys here for two or three hours, you know, preaching the whole thing. But, but last week we talked about the wind, how wind can't be seen. Wind is invisible. Now, you, you can't grasp the wind. You can't smell it. You can't hear the wind. You hear the effects of the wind. You can't taste the wind. But you, you see and you hear and you feel those effects. So that's what the, the wind causes things. So this is important. Wind is an invisible entity. Uh, but what the wind does is it causes waves to be uh, unsettled. And it causes waves to be boisterous. So... These physical waves, as we just read, they beat on this boat, and it started to fill it with water. So here's the first principle. Wind causes waves, and, and which means this, is the unseen causes physical problems. Now, there's a striking parallel, and I, wa- I want to be really clear on this, because evil spiritual entities, they cause they cause physical problems as well. So the invisible causes problems. The invisible entities cause these visible, tangible issues. So this is the spirit world that's at work, and this is what instigates spiritual warfare. Now, the term spirit, as you find it throughout the New Testament, is the Greek term, which we don't read in Greek, we're reading English, but that, the word spirit in the New Testament is the Greek term pneuma. Now, that, that word means it's P-N-E-U-M-A, like pneumatic, you know? So that's like, right? That, that's how that works. So pneuma, which means a current of air, it is a blast, it's a breath or a breeze of wind. That's what the word, any, anytime you see the word spirit in the New Testament, it's this word. So, so uh, it's, it's found 385 times in the New Testament. So pneuma refers to both the Holy Spirit and evil spirits. And the, the only way to tell the difference is by the context. And, and so uh, 
what happens though is a lot of uh, a lot of Christian preachers and even teachers they they avoid all teaching about this word, but it is heavily present throughout all of the New Testament. And and if they do teach, it's typically an exclusive teaching about the Holy Numa, which would be the Holy Wind, the Holy Spirit. But we have to talk about both because they are both found in the New Testament. There's a lot of discussion about that, 385 times in the New Testament alone, so it demands it. So demons are actually referred to as pneuma. They're, they're referred to as spirit, which by definition is, again, it's pneuma. It's a current of air. It's a blast. It's a breeze of wind. Now, why on earth did the writers of the New Testament, all the different writers of the New Testament, there were many, why did they all use this particular term uh, regarding spirit? Well, it's because of this. It's because invisible forces of evil, or even good, they are characterized by wind. And now that's where we actually find the striking parallel in the scriptures. So again, back to the story that we just read. There is this parallel between what was happening on the sea that night and, with the, and there's a parallel with the real activity and the effect of demon spirits in today's world. And it's, demons are actually pneuma, evil, evil wind. It's an evil spirit. Now, because of this, uh, the, these evil spirits, uh, these invisible demonic spirits, like wind, they stir up tangible physical problems. And it's kind of like how the wind stirs up waves that, that kind of hammer your life. Uh, the wind, this wind, this demonic wind can be a spirit of addiction uh, to drugs or alcohol or gambling or it can be an addiction to lust. Uh, these waves can cause uh, sickness or infirmity. They can cause disease, uh, depression, suicidal thoughts, heaviness, hauntings, night terrors. And, and waves, uh, they, they, they can even manifest themselves like as continuous financial struggles or unwarranted fears or anxieties, uh, continual relational struggles. And so what we have to do, as we talked about last week, we have to learn to ask God for the gift of discernment so that we can have revelation as to whether or not the waves and the stuff of life is, is actually caused by demonic uh, spiritual forces, which would be demonic pneuma, or is it just naturally occurring circumstances, which is also the case, because we live in a fallen world and there are naturally occurring negative circumstances that hit our lives. So regardless, though, it is critical this is important as well, guys. It is critical that we never judge another person, another individual, whatever, or abandon them when stuff is going on in their lives, when they're dealing with these waves that are pounding in their lives just because you don't understand. Or like, well, I don't have those same issues, and so I don't understand that, and I, and I, I, I just can't, I can't figure this out for you. And, and, and we tend to push people like that away. I, I want you to understand... We all have different battles that we're facing, but we're in this together as the body of Christ, and we must be there for each other. And that's what, that's what strengthens the body of Christ when we're there for each other. And we do battle for one another whenever we can. 
Now, if you missed last week's sermon, I encourage you to go back and listen to it because you're going to get a really good foundation of all of these principles, and, uh, and, and you can begin to understand the foundations of spiritual warfare. But today, I want to provide you with three means, three ways to deal with wind and waves that are evident in the scripture passages that, that I shared. Now, see, I want you to see this. You're in a boat, which is your life, your, your body, your life. And this pneuma, evil pneuma, demonic spiritual activity is stirring up aggressive waves against you. And Jesus is asleep in your boat, but he's in you, all right? So here are three things that you can do. The first one, jot this down, rouse your desperation. Rouse your, whenever you lack faith, and a lot of times we just don't have faith, whatever you do, don't lack desperation. Get desperate with God. Tell God how you feel at the moment. Please understand, he can take it. If you don't have any faith at all, get desperate with God because God looks at your heart. In verse 38, it said this, it says, they woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? <laughs> they woke him up and yelled and ah! See, they had zero faith. They did. Uh, they just had this one thing, and it was desperate passion. But what happened? It worked. It roused him, and Jesus dealt with the wind and the waves. Jesus knew they didn't have any faith, but they had heart. They had passion. They had desperation. And he didn't wake them. He, he didn't, when he woke up, he didn't, like, look at them and rebuke them for their lack of faith. No, what he did is he rebuked the wind and later on then he addressed their lack of faith see god this is so good god will honor your desperate panic cry for help so so if you don't have faith just give god that cry of desperation god will hear your cry because desperation always gets god's attention always some of you whatever you're going through right now you need to rouse your desperation and if you don't have desperation regarding stuff that's happening in your life, it could be, it could be that you've actually allowed the, yourself to become like a doormat to the enemy. And you've learned to live with that infirmity or that stronghold and maybe that addiction. Well, it's just part of who I am right now. That's just, that's just the way it's going to be. There's not much I can do about that. Now, there is something that you can do. You can get desperate with God. Now, on a side note, I want to address this because this is important as well. I'm not against medicine, okay? I'm not against counseling or therapy. I'm very, very much for both of those things. But not every problem is demonic at its source. And that's why how medicine and, 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 and counseling and those things can help. But I also believe that if you have not roused your desperation, you're actually allowing that spirit, that evil pneuma, to hang around, and you're treating it like it's part of your family. <laughs> Just make it, make it clear. It's not part of your family. It's not your pet. You know, what do you do with your pet? Like, oh, little baby, I love you, I love you. No, no, it's not your pet, all right? So get desperate. Jesus is going to hear and respond to a desperate prayer of a mother for her child. He's going to hear and respond to the desperate cry of a sex addict. He's going to hear and respond to the desperate passion of a person who's controlled by a lying spirit. Even if you don't have faith, rouse that passion 
passionate desperation toward God because he'll hear and he'll respond. And let me make this clear. Do not be worried about your dignity. (laughs) Don't be more worried about your dignity than your deliverance. And it's okay if you need to get alone and just cry and yell at God, but, but stop. If you're in that place, please just stop trying to construct some type of, a, of an intelligent, professional-sounding prayer that lacks heart and passion. See, desperation for God, desperation in that situation will always get God's attention. You're like, ah, some people, well, what if it's not theologically correct? God will hear your desperation anyway. I love this because in Mark chapter 10, there's this guy, he's a blind man. His name was Bartimaeus, and, and he didn't handle himself professionally. He needed some help. And he's like, son of God, have mercy on me. I mean, what kind of a prayer is that? I mean, the other professional Christians, well, there have been professional Jews around him that, that knew about religion and were very astute about those things. They're just like, hush up, stop your desperation. But what did he do? He just desperately cried out more and more. In fact, in Mark 10, 48, it says, it says many were sternly telling him to be quiet. That's not very professional of you. But he kept crying out. Oh, I love that. He kept crying out all the more. Son of David, mercy on me. So he, what he was doing here, he was making a scene. And he wasn't dignified. He wasn't praying right. I mean, he was supposed to be praying, Jesus, Lord of my salvation, restore my sight. I have faith that my vision will be, you know, the accent is really helpful, you know, because thou art good, thou art faithful, please. You know, now, Jesus heard his desperation and Jesus responded and healed him anyway. So guys, when the waves are beating your boat, when discouragement is overwhelming, you feel alone, you feel distraught, rouse your desperation and cry out to God. I'll tell you guys, I have done that many times and God has met me every single time. And even when you cry out like I have in the past, God, don't you care? Why are you ignoring me, God? God, I'm at the end of my rope. I can't do this any longer. But if it comes from your heart, God will hear it, and God will respond to it. Now, second, when the pneuma is is stirring up the waves around you, that wind is pounding your boat, here's the second thing you can do is to rouse your faith. I mean, after you've poured your heart out to God, ask God just to give you more faith. You can ask for that. Find scriptures, locate scriptures on faith and begin to to recite them and read them, keep them in front of you. See, because after Jesus rebuked the wind and when the waves stopped pounding, that's when he looked at his disciples and he said to them in verse 40, he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? See, this tells me that Jesus fully expected that these guys would apply their faith and would calm the storm themselves. That is what he expected. That's why he was sleeping. So he, he confronted them directly. And Jesus never would have accused them of something that they weren't capable of doing themselves. You see? Even though they had been surrounded by miracles up to this point, their faith was still asleep for themselves. So get this, desperation cries, but faith confronts. Both of them are important. De- see, desperation complains. 
faith commands. Desperation uh, sometimes questions God's love, but faith quotes God's love. That's why we, the songs we sing are songs of faith where we quote God's love. See, complaining relies on somebody else's anointing to help you, but faith rouses the anointing that's already inside of you so that you can overcome the wind, so that you can overcome the waves. See, complaining speaks about the problem, but faith goes and and speaks directly to the problem. Complaining, what it does is it, it speaks to your fears, but faith helps put your fears to sleep. Complaining is ruled by your emotions, but faith is ruled by the word of God. Now, please understand, again, it is okay, and I think it's important to pour out your feelings of desperation to God. And you, we as believers, we need to give ourselves permission to do that because a lot of believers just don't think that's the right thing to do and God's gonna get his feelings hurt. No, give yourself permission to do so. And read the Bible. It's all through there. It's, it's actually quite beautiful. I mean, David... The, the author of many, if not most of the Psalms, he was flat out a complainer. He was a whiner. He was a crybaby sometimes. And, but whenever David complained to God, if you read those Psalms and he questioned him, sometimes it makes you wonder, is this guy, he, he, does he even know God? I mean, is he even saved? Give yourself permission to complain to God. See, far too often we, uh, we, we, we bottle up our emotions. I mean, we're we're, we're, we're controlled Americans, uh, especially believers. We put this rigid religious exterior upon ourselves sometimes like, well, I'm just all about faith. But after you cry out your cries, that's when you need to begin to rouse your faith because that's actually what David did. See, so many of his psalms start off, many of them, with him complaining to God. And what I love about this, these psalms were the songs that everybody had to sing. So when they would come to church, they would have to sing these songs. God, I just want to kill everybody. God, you're not here for me. I mean, that's kind of thing. How would you like that if we opened our service with that? Actually, it'd be kind of cool because that's really how we feel sometimes, you know? So it's like, a, well, not me. Right. Okay, so so many of these psalms, they start off with David complaining to God, but they conclude with faith. And David begins to confess the word of God. So what happened? David, he released his desperation to God, and then he roused his faith. So your faith will cause you to be able to speak to that wind, to rebuke that wind, that pneuma, and the, and the, which will then deal with the source of all the waves that are hitting your life. See, Jesus, he directly addressed with faith, directly addressed the wind, and he rebuked it. He commanded it to become calm. So if you have a night terror, you can complain. Yeah, go ahead and do that. But you also must command you, you command it in the name of Jesus to quiet down. You command that spirit in the name of Jesus to stop manifesting shadows and noises and furniture moving and, and, and bringing fear and sleeplessness and even hopelessness into your home. Because when you do that, you can, the, the, the enemy has to stop. You command that spirit of infirmity that is relentlessly assaulting your body to depart, leave you, rebuke it in Jesus' name. You have 
power in the name of Jesus. You have the power of the Holy Spirit living in your boat. You can confront and command that demonic wind to go. You can also speak to your own soul, which is your mind and your emotions and your will, your thoughts. And you can say, be quiet and begin to speak God's word over your situation. Now, I know you might say, yeah, pastor, I tried that once, but it didn't work. Well, first of all, it is important that God dwells in you. I mean, Jesus needs to be in your boat. You need to be a believer. You need to be a Christian. And also, it really helps to be full of the Holy Spirit. And you can have peace. You can have peace in the middle of your storms. Because remember, Jesus was sleeping during the storm. (laughs) Friday night, when this storm abruptly assaulted my neighborhood and much of the Metroplex, I was just sitting in the living room about to fall asleep. I was watching some show on TV, and, and I got this alert on my phone. And, and, I, and I know if I pull my phone out when my wife is near, I can get in trouble when we are watching the show. But this alert kept going off. I opened up my phone, I looked, and it, says, it said 65 to 70 mile per hour winds are imminent in this neighborhood. Because like I, the app I use actually is neighborhood specific. Yeah, it's, it's a cool app. But anyway, I, I, what I did is it's like, it's imminent. What? And I put, looked at the, at, the, uh, at the radar. This is crazy. So I scrambled. I went out in the backyard. I started throwing stuff into the house. And just as I did that, I mean, I started getting hit with, with first of all, just dust and and. and Every, I was just covered with dust and sand and stuff like that. And then leaves started hitting me and then little twigs and branches started hitting me. The, the wind was going crazy and I ran over to the trash cans and picked them up and I shoved them into a corner and, and I was going to put them in my garage. Like, I don't even have time for that. I, and I'm glad I didn't because it would have been stuck that way because then immediately our power was gone. Power went out. And I... And, it was not a pleasant experience. I mean, some of y'all may have experienced that too, but I was out in that for just about three minutes. And, and uh, I, I, I came back inside. I, I can't see anything that's going on outside. And, and, I, and I was concerned. I'm, I'm a responsible husband and father and homeowner, you know. And so, okay, well, I'm going to stay up. I'm going to stay up through this storm. That storm, you know, I'm going to stay up. And then all of a sudden I remembered, wait, you're preaching about wind on Sunday. And what, did, what happened with Jesus? He just went to bed and he slept during the storm. So <laughs> that's when I thought, well, you know what? If I'm going to be preaching about wind and waves and peace in the storm, and because I know, I know this, that when I preach sermons, you guys just really pray about this if you ever feel you want to be a preacher. Because as soon as you set a sermon up to preach, you're going to get tested on it. And then this test was actually directly in the physical realm. And so, so I, I was tested on it that moment. I thought, well, you know what? I had better practice what I preach because I can't get up there with confidence and do this on Sunday if I don't practice it. So what I did is I prayed once more, prayed over the house. I'm going to go to bed. And yesterday morning, you know, I, I, as soon as I woke up and it, it, was, it was light outside, right outside, at the very edge of my backyard, there were these, there was these giant tree limbs that were down around my house. And, and, and I, I loved it because nothing was it, was, it was just inches away from the back part of my property. I'm like, uh-huh, yep, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. But faith in God gave me the ability to have peace during that crazy storm. Now, hear me well. I know 
that it's not easy to have peace in the middle of a storm. It's not. But the only way to sleep during a storm is to stand on what God says and not on what you feel in the moment, not on what you see, not on what even the doctor says or what the news says or what the social media app says. If you stand in your boat on God's word, you can stay dry when everything else is wet. You can stay peaceful when everything and everyone around you is panicking. But the moment you go to your feelings and you start to panic, what's going to happen is then you're going to get wet. Symptoms, even facts, bank accounts, doctor's reports, they will bring you into despair if you focus on them. And that's not God's plan for you. I'm not saying ignore those things, but that's not God's plan for you. You rebuke and you command that wind to stop in the name of Jesus. Now, two weeks ago, I preached uh, about a different boat, a different setting, where the disciples were in a completely different boat and a completely different time. And in this particular time, Jesus was not in the boat, but he was watching the whole thing happen. It's kind of interesting how sometimes we think, oh, Jesus walked on the water. Actually, he did this. Jesus was out there in a storm in a boat two different occasions. Just as a reminder, back in Mark chapter 6, verse 48, this is what I preached about a couple of weeks ago. He says, seeing them straining at the oars for the wind was against them at about the fourth watch of the night, which would have been about 3 a.m. He came to them walking on the sea and he intended to pass them by. And down in verse 51, it says, then after everything happened, he got into the boat with them. Look at that. And the wind stopped and they were utterly astonished. It didn't happen like it happened the time before. You see, in the first episode of the boat, Jesus was in the wind and the waves, and he rebuked the wind, and the wind and the waves stopped. But here, he's walking on the waves caused by the wind, waves that were stirred up by the wind, and he was walking, you know, he's not walking on some nice little placid sea. He's not doing that. Now, this is a turbulent storm he was walking on, but in this case, he didn't rebuke the wind. After encouraging Peter to walk on the water, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Come on, Peter, come on, get out here and walk on the waves with me. After all that, he arrived in the boat and then the wind stopped on its own. Whoa. So sometimes you need to rouse your desperation. Other times you need to rouse your faith. Sometimes you just need to walk on top of those waves. So this third principle is this, is walk in victory anyway. You've complained to God. You've cried out in desperation. You've prayed. You've fasted. You've roused your faith. You've rebuked the devil in Jesus' name. You've anointed your house with oil. You've received prayer and you've been anointed with oil yourself and you've put on the full armor of God. So what else are you going to do? Well, the wind and the waves, they're not stopping because sometimes they just keep going. So what do you do? Well, some people will say, well, it's because you didn't have enough faith in the first place. Well, I don't believe that's always the case. You just simply need to walk in victory anyway. You need to walk on the waves. Now I want you to look at Luke chapter 10, verse 19. 
Because Jesus not only walked on the waves himself and then encouraged Peter to come and walk on the waves also, but he said to his followers, which then translates to you and me in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, he said, behold, I have given you authority, that's good, to walk, (laughs) to walk on snakes and scorpions. Now, I'll just pause right there. I don't like snakes at all at all. I, I, I'm not into snakes. I've, I've learned to identify them because I hate them so much. And I know what's what's what. I don't like them. And I can't stand scorpions. I lived out in West Texas for a long time as a kid. And I know that in, in, when you go to bed, you look in your sheets, make sure there are no scorpions. You look in your shoes, you make sure there's no scorpions in your shoes because you'll find that. Yeah, that is not fun. Don't move to West Texas unless, well, some of y'all might want. Some of you like it out there. That's fine with me, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care for it. But, but uh, unless I'm visiting, I like to visit. But it says, I've given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions. Now, just pause here for a second. Don't go crazy with this. This is, this is illustrative, okay? Please don't, like, put some snakes and scorpions out and start walking on them. That's, that's, this is not a good idea. But you have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions, which, which represents all kinds of turbulent evil that's under your feet, and authority over all the power of the enemy. See that? And nothing will injure you. Now, that's good. Now, that, that word authority right there is in many translations of the Bible, maybe in what you're looking at, is often translated power as well. So, so you know, it's, it's quite often translated as power. So you can say, I have given you power, that's, but that's a delegated authority. It's a delegated power that comes from God to walk on snakes and scorpions. And I've given you power that's delegated to you from God over all the power. You have power that's over the power of the enemy. That's good, my friend, because the enemy has power, but you have greater power that's delegated to you. You have greater authority that's delegated to you. And then when you walk and just keep walking, nothing will injure you. That means that even though where you're going and what you're walking through, it may look dangerous you can walk over it and you will not be taken down. You can walk over it and there's still sickness in your body. The enemy still may be attacking your mind and your emotions, but you keep walking in the authority and in the power of God as a believer. See, I know who I am in Jesus. I am anointed by the most high God and Christ is in me and I am in Christ. It's the same with you. So keep walking in victory even when you don't feel like it. Psalm chapter 81, verse 13. Oh, I love this. He says, oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. Walk over that situation. Don't drown in it. 
because you're walking in the ways of God. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are not seated in the place of that diagnosis. It's, it, what it says is that you, are, you have defeated, you have already defeated that sickness and that disease even though it's still there. You are not seated in that dungeon of fear and anxiety that keeps you cooped up and, and afraid to do anything. As a believer, Please know this, you are actually called to reign in this life. So walk on those waves. And sure, I understand the waves and the winds still might be there, but keep walking in victory. Even though you don't feel victorious in the moment and stop focusing on the waves like Peter did and instead focus on Jesus. Because once you step into the boat, once you reach that destination of where God wants you to go, the winds will cease. And there may not have to be any rebuking and no commanding and no, uh, no just, just, but I just want to say this. There should also be no stopping on your end. Just keep, instead of stopping, keep stepping. So if the waves don't stop, just step on them. Come on, just step on them. What God is likely doing is God is using this storm to bring about greater faith and character in you for the days ahead, even though you don't like it. So here's what we do. Get up in the morning. Get up full of faith. Put on the armor of God. Get a song in your heart. Don't wake up and start looking at the social media app. Get up and get a song in your heart and step on those waves in victory because every time you do that you are able to keep your joy in the middle of your storm because you're walking on it and you're and when you walk on it you're actually tripping up then the devil's strategy to cause you to drown to defeat you every time you are able to maintain peace when everything under you is shifting and turbulent you may not feel like you are operating in the realm of the spirit and quite often we don't but you are you are trampling on the waves keep walking keep walking in the ways of god for victory in other words while you're walking keep your attitude and your lifestyle correct it's true god sometimes doesn't deliver us from certain things but he intends on he he, he really intends for us to to trample on them. And if you think God is just going to miraculously uh, remove everything uncomfortable in your life and every one of your battles and every one of the frustrations in your life, well, I'll just be honest with you, you're living in a fantasy world because that doesn't happen. He doesn't remove everything. Why? It's because God has actually called you into spiritual warfare. You are a soldier. So you walk in his ways and walk on the serpents and the scorpions and the waves so that you can be able to have greater faith to deal with the battles that are ahead. You're equipped by God, and you're not equipped by God just to be a wimp. (laughs) You're equipped by God to be a warrior. So rise up and walk in Jesus' name. Here they are again, the three ways we deal with the wind and waves. Number one, rouse your desperation. Number two, rouse your faith and number three walk in 
victory. Everybody stand up here in this room. I want to pray. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. God, I thank you, Lord. Come on, just receive this prayer. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are giving each person in this room strategies to deal with the wind and the waves. So God, even before we start talking about healings and miracles and things like that in the coming weeks, God, I pray that you will give us a mindset of spiritual warfare, Lord, that we will rouse our desperation. God, that we will be people who are not afraid or intimidated just to weep and to cry before you and to to pour out our hearts to you and just let you know how we feel at the moment. And God, that we will also then be people who will rouse our faith, that we will be people of the word and we will take the scriptures and we'll apply them to our lives. We'll confess those words in faith. And God, even if the storm doesn't stop, even if the waves keep moving, God, give us the courage and the strength as soldiers in your army to walk in the victory that is already ours, that we will walk. We're not going to be stressed out looking at every little detail around us, God. We're going to keep our eyes on you, and we will walk on the waves until we get to that boat, and that's when you'll settle things down, God. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you give us strategies, you give us plans, and you give us insights into your word that we can directly apply to our lives. And God, I pray that as we walk out of this room, we will operate in these principles in the ongoing struggles in our lives. We'll operate in these principles under the, when we're under attack from the enemy. We'll even operate in these principles when we're under natural, uh, dealing with natural circumstances as well, that we will truly be warriors for you, with you on our heart, you on our mind, guided by your word, because we are in you and you are in us. And we give you thanks and praise for it in the name of our Lord, Jesus. Christ. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Church podcast. I would love for you to attend one of our worship services right here in downtown Fort Worth. So if you'd like more information, simply go to citylifefw.org. God bless.